0: Hey all, welcome to Beyond Consulting, the podcast dedicated to helping listeners navigate a career after consulting. I'm Stephen Haug, host of Beyond Consulting and director at ECA Partners. Each week on this podcast, we host folks who have spent some time in consulting, but then have made a pivot or a career change. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to thank ECA Partners for sponsoring Beyond Consulting. ECA is an executive search and on-demand consulting firm specializing in former consultants and private equity. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Mark Alcori, co-founder and CEO at AI Fleet and former principal at Kearney. Mark, welcome to Beyond Consulting. Thank you, Stephen. Great to be here. Mark, let's go back to the beginning. I want to hear a little bit about the story of becoming a consultant. What pushed you in that direction?
1: I graduated from Berkeley with a master's of civil engineering and worked in civil engineering for about seven years. And then there was this point where where you just wonder, well, what else is there out there? What else can you be doing? What else is gives you a little bit more of the qualities to become a little bit better from a business perspective? And this is where I decided to do my MBA and I went to NYU. I did not intend to be a consultant, but when I went to Stern and saw the number of people interested in you know becoming a consultant, you hear a little bit more about the stories of the careers in consulting, the types of projects that you do in consulting. It was very interesting to get the opportunity to truly discover, especially if you come from a field that is very specialized, like civil engineering, and you are looking to expand your horizon. Really, nothing gives you that breadth of experience like consulting does. And that's how I got interested in it. and. Started interviewing and case studies and uh, casing, and then eventually joined Carney.
0: Whenever I think of engineers, I think of problem solvers. That's also the same thing I think about whenever I think about consultants. Is that how we should think about that? Is it just different types of problem solving? Did you use any of your engineering toolkit whenever you became a consultant? Love to hear about that transition and if it was a big shift in mindset or if it's similar in certain ways. Definitely
1: the hypothesis driven approach of solving a problem is what makes sometimes engineers good consultants overall. I, I know a lot of consulting firms look to recruit for engineering. What I find to be a little bit different when you're working as an overall, you know, let's say in civil engineering versus consulting is sometimes in consulting the path to get to the answer is really whats what you're really solving for. Whereas you can think sometimes of engineering having a lot of the frameworks are already there for you and you have to crank out the complicated analysis nonetheless. But the framework is often given to you, whereas in consulting, every specific project has its own characteristics. And so while there are a lot of similarities, I find that the path to get to a solution or to crack the case in consulting to have a little bit more variability than the one you had in engineering.
0: That's an interesting way of thinking about that. And I appreciate the comparison. So you joined Carney after Stern. What kind of consulting firm would you say Carney is?
1: Well, we, at least at that point, we, were, you know, very uh, true management consulting with a lot of focus on operations. At least that's what Carney was really known for. But I was very interested to find a lot of very strategic projects, specifically for me. I always like to specialize. And when I find the opportunity at Carney to not be a generalist for too long, I ended up specializing after about a few months, specifically joining the private equity and M&A practice, which I really appreciated that opportunity from the firm to almost follow the path that you want. You had the opportunity as an associate to be a generalist through manager, really, but you also had the opportunity if you find a practice that interests you more to actually join and become a core part of this practice. And for me, that was something that actually really attracted me to the firm. It's really giving you as an associate the opportunity to kind of carve out your own career and learn what really interests you in consulting.
0: What kind of projects were you working on primarily?
1: Mostly a lot of due diligence projects. And so having the opportunity to see if a company is a good fit as a target for a different company, whether it's a private equity or a strategic acquisition. I worked on many, many diligences. And I really appreciated that opportunity because any due diligence, you have about two to three weeks to sometimes almost become not truly an expert, but know a lot to be very dangerous on the most random topics. One of them was this lock that you put on your luggage. That is actually a company that was looking to be acquired by private equities. And so that opportunity to truly find the growth potential of a company trying to see how do our financial statements tell the story of how much more opportunity there is to derive more value. I find these kind of projects to be extremely interesting and eventually, of course, became very relevant to what I do today, which is, you know, as an entrepreneur, using those same frameworks, but applying them on yourself versus a client.
0: You stayed at Kearney for a while and moved up the ranks. How long were you at Kearney?
1: Uh, just over four years. Yeah, started as an associate and then got promoted to manager and finally principal. And I left Kearney just a few weeks after becoming principal.
0: Tell us about that decision, because I feel like once you make principal, that's a huge milestone and any consulting firm kind of made it at that point.
1: Why did you leave then? There was this one partner at Kearney, whenever we used to go recruiting and students would ask him, why do you like consulting? And he used to say consulting is the perfect place to figure out what you want to do when you grow up. (laughs) And of course, he was a partner who had been at the firm for 25, 30 years. And I really loved that saying and I found that it really applied to me. So if if we go back to what we were saying earlier that I joined consulting because I wanted to have a little bit more of a breadth of exposure to different industries and to different practices, eventually what and specifically once I ended up in private equity even though it's, as you can think of it as specializing, but at the same time, you were working on projects and companies across all kinds of different industries. And eventually it clicked. Eventually I found the industry where I found so many potential opportunities to create value and to eventually hopefully start my own company. That industry in this particular case was trucking and logistics. And once you're there, once you've it's a little bit like buying a home. You know, use, People used to say, you keep looking, you keep looking, and then eventually you find the home and then you make a decision in about a couple of minutes. That's a little bit of how that specific industry was for me. Once I started working on my first trucking project, I felt like it clicked. I felt like the problems that we were solving really, really interested me. And I wanted to be a part of the solution. And one of our clients actually offered me a job to join their leadership team. And having worked with that client for almost a couple of years at that point, it became a little bit hard to refuse that offer and wanted to join their team and continue solving the problem from the inside. Specifically because, you know, as a consultant, it's easy to feel a little bit more detached from the day-to-day And I wanted at that point to feel more ownership of the problem that we were trying to solve. It's easy to leave on Thursday, the client side. And by Friday afternoon, your presentation is almost somebody else's problem. But my interest in this particular industry felt like I needed to be a part of that company. And that's why I accepted the offer to join a company outside of consulting as much as I loved consulting. Can you tell us the position? I joined as chief strategy officer.
0: Is there any worry from I guess the, the folks that ended up hiring you or other companies that you were perhaps were in conversations with about pulling you into a leadership position where you would have to be responsible for the bottom line. You know, you need to see these projects all the way through joining in a position like that whenever for the past several years, you'd been an advisor. Does that question make sense?
1: It makes a lot of sense, and that is usually whenever you do have PNL impact. What I have certainly found, both at my previous company and even today as an entrepreneur, who you know was fundraising you know, to start a company. Of course, I had to fundraise. There is always a concern that you find in VC world and also in, in corporate world: Can this consultant actually get the job done? Can you move from strategic thinking to execution? Having gone through it and having worked myself with a lot of consultants over the last few years, I understand it a little bit. And at the same time, though, I would say for consultants who specifically those who only spent a few years, the frameworks you are learning, the strategic thinking you are developing, that has a lot of value to wherever you're going to go so while i can also understand the concern of okay when that person joins are they going to feel the motivation to see the project through end-to-end until it's actually had the results it's not through board meeting and deck presentation it's actually through execution on the shop floor on the you know planning floor for us in trucking that does exist out there but i feel like as consultants we are prepared to answer those challenges and also as consultants, we have the opportunity to prepare ourselves. We can only work on strategic projects, though let's take advantage. Most of the large consulting firms give you the opportunity to pick and choose the project so that you are developed as a well-rounded professional. And that alternating a strategic project, an operation project, sometimes even an implementation project, which I know are sometimes a little bit looked down at, those are actually critical to truly become ready to operate in
0: the real world. As a CEO of AI Fleet, have you hired anyone yet who their entire career they've been a consultant?
1: Absolutely. On my team, I have some of my former teammates. You know, when I was a manager and principal and some I've hired some of the folks who are on my team because you also know what they're capable of. You know the strategic thinking and operational prowess that they have. And absolutely I have and and very proud of those hires.
0: Good. Tell us a bit more about uh, AI Fleet. I know we would mentioned the name a bit here, but you became chief strategy officer for a business in the trucking industry right after consulting. You didn't stay there too long though, before you went out on your own. Tell us about that story.
1: Well, actually I was fired very quickly after I started. So even though I had spent a lot of time advising, the cultural fit, at least for me, but this isn't something that applies to consulting consultants joining any corporate position, the cultural fit just wasn't there. And the ideas of how to, you know, I was really joining to continue some of the project I had worked on initially as a consultant, that cultural fit wasn't very good for the folks out there and they made the decision and I highly respect it. And I've also learned a lot from it. Specifically, what I've learned is after I left the position, I actually went back to Carney as a contractor working at other companies in logistics, but in Europe you know, even though it was a short tenure, you actually learn a lot by being on the inside and understanding the true challenges of real companies and why there are not always to execute on the recommendations provided by consultants. And that stayed with me. And the way that has translated for me starting the company, it really brought down the the point of trucking is just very, it's a very inefficient industry. Meaning today it's a massive industry though. It's in the sub-segment of trucking where we operate the market is about 400 billion. That is actually one of the largest industries in the US. And within that 400 billion, there's 500,000 companies operating. This is one of the highest fragmentations of almost any industry. And the largest company has under 1% market share. And when you learn more about it and, and why I ended up starting my own company after leaving the other one, is there's just no technology in this industry. Or at least whenever technology is being developed, it's being developed outside of the trucking companies. It's being developed for intermediaries because trucking companies just have never really been very good at implementing and adopting software. And so when I happened to meet my co-founder, who was also selling software to trucking companies, we knew the challenges of trucking companies are just not good buyers of software. And we decided, what if we just did this crazy thing of starting a trucking company from the ground up? But instead of building technology to help operations do a better job, what if we make the technology automate operations and then we hire then a team to execute the recommendations of the technology? That is really the story of Lead. The goal is in trucking, typical driver is used about 50% of their time. And the goal of the company is to maximize the utilization of the driver so that we can help them generate higher income. But of course, as a full stack company, since we operate our own assets, so we can also increase the company's revenue significantly above what is standard in the industry
0: trucking is a very difficult industry to hire for. We hear all the time about these companies having a lot of trouble bringing in new drivers. Has your company facing that problem as well? Or do you feel that your position in the market with your ability to get drivers more hours driving their trucks is a great recruiting tool?
1: Yeah, I would say this is certainly one area where we started applying our consulting frameworks of this is what it's almost in a stoke framework is the situation of it's hard to hire in trucking. Is that real? Is that the right situation? And what we found out is there's this talk a lot in this industry about a driver shortage and there's just not enough drivers out there. At the same time, what are we solving for at the AI fleet? We're solving for asset utilization. And I just said that drivers are utilized less than 50 percent of the time. So we really started with the beginning. We started by questioning the situation of there are not enough drivers out there because mathematically you cannot have underutilization of current labor and the shortage at the same time. Meaning you could solve for this perceived shortage by making your labor more efficient, by making the drivers more efficient. When we looked at it even more, what we found out is there's a perceived shortage of around 50 to 100,000 drivers, which is pretty big. But when you're talking about utilization in the 50%, really increasing utilization from 50% to 52.5% technically in the industry, technically eliminates the driver shortage for good. And so we just rejected that hypothesis from the get-go. And once we started our own company and we started hiring, it was confirmed that the number of applications is massive. That also reminded me of my previous jobs where even though we talked a lot about driver shortage, the driver churn in the industry is over 100%. So then it takes us back. Is it the shortage or is it the retention that is the problem turns out it's the retention why is retention so low it's actually related to utilization because drivers get paid in the industry based on how they are utilized based on how many miles they drive however they are not always in control of how many miles they drive because the company assigns them the miles that is why it was so critical for us to focus on utilization and what we then learned over time as we started scaling is that we started getting the, some of the best turnover metrics in the industry because our utilization metrics were some of the best in the industry. And so over the last two years, we've validated those hypotheses in a way. And that's what gets us more comfortable saying, yep, it's not necessarily a driver shortage. It's a retention problem.
0: So rather than, as you were mentioning, rather than build a software and sell it to trucking companies, you just built your own trucking company that utilizes the software that you also built. Is there any temptation on your end to... Start selling that software because it does sound like it solves a lot of problems that other trucking companies are facing.
1: Always. You know, trucking is not a very high margin business. And the more we see the software working, the more we sometimes say, should we just follow the easier route and sell the software and then let other companies deal with the daily frustrations? You know, trucks break down, trucking is just not a very easy industry to be in. We feel like we have a, a higher purpose, though. When we see the impact we have high, today we have almost 200 employees between drivers and office employees because the drivers are not gig workers at Airfleet; They are actual employees with benefits. And when we see the impact we have had on our drivers and on our families in terms of better lifestyle, more equity better pay overall. Mm-hmm. You know, Drivers typically are on the road for three weeks at a time. We pay our drivers more while making sure they are home significantly more often than what is available in the industry. And then when you see the reaction this has on, on your employees, you start feeling proud. And it goes back to what is it really that we are building? We are trying to solve the supply chain challenges that come from the underutilization of the assets and of the drivers. Over the last two years, we've all seen that with not enough goods in the stores. And if you ask folks, why is that the case? It's an inventory problem. It's also a not enough trucks problem. The goal of AI Fleet is to show that we can move as many goods with up to 30% fewer trucks. That has such massive impact on the environment in terms of less congestion, less pollution, less emissions, better equity for the drivers as well. That is the mission of AFLE. That is what gets us excited, is to use the power of technology to make the life of the drivers significantly better. That is what gets us engaged. And even though sometimes selling software appears to be the easier way to go, we are just such strong believers in our purpose and our mission that we know this business model is the right one to get to the finish line.
0: For consultants who are thinking about leaving consulting to start their own business, is there any advice you would give them? You know, a very strong toolkit coming out of consulting. I'm curious if you would tell them, hey, there's a few other things that you should learn or that you should expect whenever you start your own business.
1: Yeah, I always find it a little bit hard to uh, just share with others what's worked. I'm just going to share what's worked for me. And hopefully your audience will evaluate whether that applies to them. What I've always found is specializing really helps you feel confident in what you're building. And by specializing and by starting to see the results of what you're building, you almost, you know, we've all heard it, what passion is just very important, right? There's this thing of follow your passion. I think what we've learned is I wasn't passionate about trucking when I grew up. You develop this passion when you identify a gap, you specialize, you try to become the best at solving that problem. And this is where I've at least developed my own passion to really solve for that problem. As an entrepreneur, every day you're going to have so many signs that tell you, do not continue. This is too hard. And the only thing that keeps you going is to feel like this is a problem that I have to solve. I have the passion to solve it. I have the toolkit to solve it because I've developed it over the last five years, including my tenure in consulting. And so really the recommendation I have is find that one thing that you are very uniquely good at find the one problem that you feel only you and your teams, not just you, but with your teams, you're going to be better than anybody else at solving. That is going to give you the motivation to keep going even when it gets hard. That is what we are doing here at AI Fleet. And at least that is a key part of the recommendation of, again, you're always going, to, I used to be obsessed with earthquakes and I used to work in earthquake engineering as a civil engineering. But as I said, passion evolves. Then that moved to trucking. And I'm so proud of being able to have found the calling, at least to get me going and found my own company.
0: Mark, I appreciate you sharing your story and for sharing that advice. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond Consulting.
1: Thank you, Stephen. great to be on.